Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, the Dew Sweeper. You're listening to the Tour Coach Podcast, giving you insights into golf instruction at the highest level from on the PGA Tour to our learning center at Frederica Golf Club. Here we are. I finally tracked him down. I've been wanting to do this for a while because I don't say this very often, but of all the people I get to see out on the PGA Tour, you're one of the coolest people and most genuine people I ever get to talk to when I walk around a golf course. And I appreciate you taking the time because I know you've been busy as hell today. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. I'm excited to chat with you, too. It's been fun getting to know you better over the last year and walking some fairways with you with our guys. So It's I'm, fun, uh, isn't it? Chat. Oh, yeah, for sure. So we're going to talk about it. But first of all, I think the most important thing you do, and I've told you this on Instagram, I'm so much in admiration of the job you do, not only coaching, but being a parent to your kids in golf and having those kids, obviously Preston, Grace, and Cam, having them be great players, but also being their parent to me. I think that's the coolest thing and the most impressive thing you do. And we'll get into the other stuff, but that's it's pretty damn cool. No, I appreciate it. I, uh, years have gone by, like when I stopped playing, I started teaching. It was like, uh, you know, I, I knew I enjoyed teaching, but then when my kids started to like it and get want to be taught and get better, like that was that was when it got real special to me, the coaching stuff. So I appreciate the kind words about my kids. We've got had a lot of good son trying to get good at the game, and and um, yeah, I appreciate the kind words for sure. The first time I ever saw Preston play was a practice round at Pebble at the U.S. Amateur. Oh, okay, several, yeah. several years back, he was playing. He yeah. may have been playing actually the first round. Playing with a, a a kid that played for Vanderbilt, Patrick Martin. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, a buddy of mine, Wayne Flint, taught Patrick, and I was out there watching uh, Andy Ogletree. And just the way, like seventeen there crosses with fifteen, and all the you know all those. Holes, I right? do remember that. I do right? remember that. He had that nice approach shot, and you said something about that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's the first time I thought, and I remember watching him hit. I was like, man, that. And that was kind of the first time I actually, to be honest, remember really hearing a lot about him. I mean, I knew he was a good yeah. junior player, but burst on the scene. And and remember watching him play that hole, and I was like, man, that kid's good. How do you balance? We'll go into he this missed that. He missed that putt, by the way. He hit six feet with that, because uh, he, he was so young at the time, he was hitting the wood, if I remember right. Right, right. And he was hitting the wood in there, and he knocked it like six feet, and then he missed it, so it was an easy par. But it wasn't that shot. I'm glad you were impressed. So. Needs a better putting <laughs> teacher. He does. <laughs> <laughs> So how do you balance being a parent and a father versus being the teacher? And, and do you, obviously the roles blend, they overlap. How do you do that? Well, I mean, life, life is for sure. I think when I stopped, te- stopped playing, when I taught, like I had a chance to maybe go do some real estate with my dad. He was successful at it. My brothers were working for him. Me and Daniel are the golfers in the family. But like to me, when I, decided to teach it was like i loved growing up in the game i loved all the memories of my friends hanging out the golf course playing money games gambling junior golf even though pro golf didn't end the way i wanted like i had great memories of golf and what it taught me i felt like it kept me out of trouble i got a lot of my self-esteem from doing some good stuff growing up playing golf and so i mean deep down i wanted it i wanted my kids to love the game so when i started teaching i I kind of made it a goal. Like you look at some of the top players or coaches in the world and not a lot of their kids, if they play, they aren't as 
active mm-hmm. because their dad, their dads are out coaching so much. They're on the road right. all the time, and they, it's just a busy job. I mean, you sun sundown all the time. Everyone always wants us. The holidays, the weekends, right? And right. so with me, I was like, hey, if I have the opportunity to coach and have some success, I'm just going to keep my kids as you know my most important clients, students. And if people don't understand them, that's probably not a fit for me, right? And so I think most people, when they look at me on Instagram, even tour players, I, I know there's certain guys that are never going to work with me because they know how much time I spend with my kids. I mean, in one year, this year, even though it was a COVID year, I caddied for Preston at the U.S. Amateur, caddied for him in a corn, ter- for, corn ferry tour event, caddied for him at the U.S. Open, caddied for my daughter at the U.S. her, her state amateur, the U.S. Amateur, I caddied for Preston at Merido, I caddied for Cam. I get, I'm, I'm really involved wait a little bit, but like, I wouldn't trade it for anything else. Like that to me, I get so much joy and satisfaction out of seeing them chase their dreams and trying to be helpful to them. Like, I, I think the way I keep a balance on it is I do view them as on the lesson key and they're, when they tell me what they want to accomplish in golf, like I know I need to give them a lot of time. They are a client when it comes to that. Like I just need to say, okay, this is how much time I'm going to commit to them. That's how bad they want it. And yeah, of course, it makes the rest of the teaching a little bit more, uh, I mean, you know, it makes life pretty busy, but I wouldn't have it any other way. So I guess that's how I have the balance is, like, I just plan it into my schedule where I just know that's what I want to do, and and um, I just kind of build the schedule around that, to be honest. I think it's cool, and, and I've told you that and message, because what you said earlier, you know, my daughter doesn't play, although now she's more into golf than ever she's got the – to me, the coolest thing was when she told me she had the PGA Tour app and started texting me when Lucas uh, awesome. or Robbie yeah. Shelton would, would play good, right? You know, yeah. and uh, and that was like a cool thing to have them be, to know what you're doing. Well, but uh, it makes sense, though. Like, to be a top coach in the world, like, your kid, how, how long have you been doing this for? And how many two. hours do you spend, in, yeah. you know, on the lesson fee and holidays and weekends? Like, it is, like, that's why I think that most coaches' kids aren't as good or don't even get in the game because it's like it takes a lot of time to help your kid and like sometimes they want to just hang out with you other than golf probably too you know so oh for sure I, yeah and to be fair like i love the game and i enjoy playing it so much and enjoy being around it but sometimes you just want to be when you want to spend time with them you don't want it to be around golf because that's all no, you that's do what that's what i'm time. trying to say a hundred percent i get that where why would a why would a world class coach as busy as you are, like it's just man to be out on the course even more. And so I think I do look at it like I know that I'm going to give up some income each year for sure of hours I'm going to give my kids and be on the road. But I just don't look at it that way. It's like okay, my kids know that I could teach. You know, I could stay busy as much as I want. But like I think they 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 appreciate that they understand that and like i tell them i'm not really doing it for them like i want to be doing it like it's Mm -hmm. it's enjoyable to me and like some of these moments that i've had with my kids on the bag or seeing them play like i never envisioned being a teacher i always just thought i was going to be a world-class player did some good stuff in junior golf played oklahoma state got my tour card and just did not have a successful professional career at all and then after 12 years of playing kind of all over the place, some on the tour, some on the Corn Ferry Tour, some on the PGA Tour Canada, other mini tours. Like, I just, I didn't even think I'd be a coach. But then when I started coaching, I was like, man, that buzz of seeing, like, your kids do well, your students do well, 
I was like, if I would have known that, I guess I, I, I could see that maybe I was being prepared to be a coach from some of my experiences as a player, some of my failures that maybe I learned from. And, you know, I, it's been fun teaching my kids and other clients. Like I, I would have never guessed I would have loved coaching as much as I have. So now that you're one of the best coaches in the world and your tour students are some of the best players in the world, when you look back on your playing career, like, do you ever look back and say, like, I wish I'd have known this then or, or, and I might have been a little better as a player or, or, you know, I mean, how do you look at your playing career now knowing what you know when you're around the best players in the world? Yeah, I mean, the first few years on tour, because I grew up with a lot of guys that are on tour, and I was beating a lot of those guys up until, you know, my early 20s, you know, and and after I got my card, I kind of just didn't have success. But, like, I would get guys on the range saying, hey, you know, you missed it. Are you going to play? Or, you know, they were always asking, thinking that I wanted to go back and play. And, and the truth is, is like, I felt like I had my chance. You know, I played 12 years and I didn't get it right. You know, like I made a lot of mistakes, did some good things. But when I was done playing, I was lucky in the sense that I was completely done. Like I just didn't, I just, I knew it was time. And so when I started coaching, that's probably the best thing that happened to me is that, I had that hard to heart myself. I was I was pissed when I stopped playing. I was I was mad, you know. I, I in my book, I failed. I I didn't live up to my expectations and I think the expectations that people have for me. And so I had to kind of come to terms with that because if I was going to stay in the golf industry, like I really had to understand and just be able to be at peace with it, you know, because my brother was still playing professional golf, being successful mm-hmm. and my name, you know, some his name people know that in golf and my shirt. That could have been a little bit of source of pain. You show up the golf course and you're like, oh man, Boyd, we used to be so good, or he used to do this, that, and the other. But I, I kind of realized, like when I started coaching, I'm like, dang, I learned a lot of things to get good enough to get on the tour. But then some of the mistakes I made helped me as a coach. So I must have want to get my tour card. I was very obsessed with. I, I stretched with one coach for a couple years. I would. I would go to the course with like, okay, I want to learn this shot. Like literally this next tournament coming up. Okay. The T ball is going to be important. Most of the winds are going to be off the left. I got to be able to turn it back into it. Maybe need to hit a draw three with like, I was a player. Mm-hmm. And when I got injured, like I started bouncing around instructor to instructor. And now, although looking back on it now, I'm like, dang, what a great education for me to become a coach is I took so many lessons from so many world-class coaches. But like it was terrible for me as a player, right? It was like I was a bad. I was a bad student too. It's like I would go, you know, when I take when I get a lesson now, it's like, okay, tell me why you're here. What's what's the shot that's hurting you? Okay, where, where's the miss on the contact? What's the start line miss? What's the curve miss? Spin miss? Whatever. I'm getting as detailed. So when I look at their swing for the first time, I'm just looking to fix the biggest issue that they why they came. And when right. I go to a, a coach, I just like, hey, I'm going to work my ass off to tell me what to do. And that was, I was terrible. I should have said, hey, guys, I'm good at this. I'm good at this. I'm not good at this. This is a shot that hurts me. This is where I feel very uncomfortable with my game and given them more information. And I think I gave myself, I just was always rebuilding for like three, four or five years. I was bouncing around. I mean, instructor, instructor, but doing rebuilds instead of doing like, okay, I need this skill set. Let's work on getting a skill set. So I think to get to the tour, I was obsessed with, you know, playing money games, so simulated pressure. I was worried about learning shots and, and getting skill sets. And then, man, 
I got in the bass bunk where I couldn't hit a shot without looking at it on film every shot, you know, and it got to be where I went from being a very free player with a lot of cool shots and skill sets to where it was just kind of not that I think I was, it sounds weird coming from a coach now because the golf swing is incredibly technical and the people have the best technique, you know, are successful, right? But Mm -hmm. it got to be where I lost, started losing some of my gifts because I was bouncing new theory to new theory, looking for a miracle instead of sticking with somebody, telling them exactly what the strengths and weaknesses were, and they they could have helped me a little bit more. So I learned a lot from that. I learned a lot from, you know, I changed all my equipment my rookie year. You know, that wasn't a great move. Made made some good money, but, like, that's <laughs> weird to have 14 new sticks as a rookie on the tour. And, I, you know, I just had made some other mistakes, too. I was too shy when I was on tour. I was too, you know, I'd always play Charles Powell and I'd play Hunter Mayhan guys at Oklahoma State that I knew and I didn't really branch out enough. I was pretty shy and like there's so many things I wish I would have done differently. But then when I was a coach, it's like, man, I'm always having my kids, okay, you can play with that tour guy. Okay, we're playing with him. Or, okay, you're getting, what part of your game is it good? Okay, let's work exactly on that, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I think, I think I just, it was a recipe for being a decent coach, <laughs> bouncing around instructor and structure for several years, and then actually having done good things that I could still keep, but then making enough mistakes where I was like, okay, this is how I'd like to not have my students go down, you know, that road. So. so you mentioned, you know, you weren't a model student or you weren't a good student. What makes a good student? What's a good student? No, I mean, I was a good student in terms of a work ethic. So when I think of my kids, so... When you said, okay, how do I make that balance with my kids? Like, I should have mentioned, we have a deal because it got, it's hard. Like, I'm, Preston's 18. I've been coaching him since he was seven or eight. Right. Grace said she was, you know, she wanted to be good when she was 11 or 12. Cam, same thing. Well, I think people look at me on Instagram and think, okay, man, he's really calm. It looks like everything's just nice and perfect. No, that's just not the truth. Like, I'm still trying to figure out how I can coach him better and get along. Right. separate the dad and son and dad and daughter and then the coaching thing. But one thing that I figured out with them is, okay, you make me a list of what's number one important thing in the coach. And I was hoping they knew the answer and it was results. I said, perfect results. Okay. What's your number two? Okay. Work ethic. Okay. Bam. Let's get that out of the way. Okay. Three, you know, commitment, right? Priority. And they will give me, each kid has a different set of five, but all of them have results as number one. Well, me, my expectation of them is I'm not getting paid. And even if I got paid, I would still want the student to be coachable and listen. Right. Right. And so my number one with my kids or a student is like they're coachable and I was coachable, but the, the second priority to me is communication. I can't coach you if you aren't giving me enough information. So I think what makes a good student is a lot of detailed feedback about what they truly feel on the course, what they fear, what they're good at, what they're not. Like the more a student communicates with me, then the more I can help them. And I think that's what makes a good student because I don't need them to want to. Preston's really stubborn. And I tell him that's what you need. He's always said since he was 10, he wanted to be the number one player in the world. And he's hard-headed and stubborn like his dad. And I said, that's good. Because you don't want to listen to everybody. You don't want to have rabbit ears. I want you to be stubborn, but still be open-minded to some things you have to work on, right? And so to me, 
you want to be coachable, but not give any coach a hundred percent say. Does that, I mean that may sound weird, but I, no. I don't. Unless unless they are just the shittiest golfer when they come to see you, yeah, you deserve more say. But if you're working with a good player and then a, a tour player, it starts to become a lot of debate and a lot of discussion. And you're you know this better than I do. You've been doing it longer than me. A lot of times you're banging heads just to get them to be able to maybe consider a concept you want them to work on, right? And that's I not a bad thing because they're yeah. they're great players and they have a lot to lose, right? I think the art of coaching is figuring out the right time sometimes yeah. to get them to listen to another point of view. You know, I yeah. think that there's times that as a coach, we know they probably need to do a little something, but like it's not the right time to tell them or they're not going to be yeah. receptive to it. I totally believe that. You know, so when you, you said, know? okay, what, what part of me was not the best student? I would say I had, I was willing to learn. I had the work ethic, but I didn't give them enough information about what I was really feeling. I would remember mm-hmm. there was one spell where I wasn't really hitting my driver. Like, it felt terrible, but I didn't want to quite tell the coach, like, I felt like I could hit it off the planet, right? I just, <laughs> it was, I just didn't communicate enough, you know what I mean? Give them enough detail. Because the more detail now I see, when a student gives me detail, when I see their swing, I'm looking at their swing with through the lens of all the information that they've given me, and then it's like, oh, that's okay. That's that it. totally makes sense. Yeah, but if I'm just looking at their swing with you know not even any information, it's kind of like, well, shit. Like I don't know. There's a lot of things that look unique in people's swings that you actually don't even want to change if it actually is serving a purpose for what they do, you know, or what shot for they sure. is. So I just think I could have communicated way better. So I'm really big on that with my kids. My kids. They text me nonstop of what they're doing and what, how it's feeling. Cause I'm on the road. I still got to be able to know what's going on to be able to help them. And they've gotten really good about that where I expect number one, that they're coachable and they all are number two, that they communicate so I can help them better. And then I can be on the same page and hard work to me. That's just a given. That's what you do. So you don't get like that pat on the back for that. If, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. But I think, that's been cool to me is like trying to figure out how to help my kids because that's the biggest challenge. Teaching your kids is the hardest thing I'll ever do to help me help other people better because I've realized, holy cow, like the same things that's going to make, help me coach my kids better. That's what you need on a normal student anyway, open communication and, you know, you know, talk about things pretty openly and, you know, yep. it's helped me as a coach because I, I will say things way more blunt to my kids than maybe some other students. And then I realized, well, geez, that's how it should be maybe all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I've learned a lot from that. You know, you learn and grow. And I like picking the brains. You can tell I, I, I like picking your brain. I like picking any coach that's coached out on that level or even, even not out there. I think you always can yeah. learn something. So. You've been doing you this said, a whole hell of a lot longer than me, so no, I mean, when we're know, talking, you, I always listen, you know? You said something, I, so like, I, I'm sneaky. You probably hadn't figured that out yet, but I was sneaky. So like yeah. when we were at Augusta, <laughs> and we were by the, the range building, and we were waiting for that rain delay, we, you and I talked yeah. for 10, 15 minutes. So yeah. I went and I made, you know, I had my, I had snuck my phone in. Augusta's probably going to come confiscated yeah. now. Oh, but, I have uh, mine too, you know, right. it's just me and you, right? Right, it's just us, but I had made a note. And you, you said something that I thought was fascinating because I've always believed it, mm-hmm. and that is you have to find the right mix of students. We're talking about tour players. Everybody yeah, just thinks sure. that like you and I, any tour player can come to us and we're supposed to help no. them. 
But I really mm-hmm. believe that. And I think that, yeah. like, and I'm using this as an example because this would be the two guys sitting in this room who would laugh. Like, but, like, if Bryson came to me, we'd end yeah. up killing each other. Right. Yeah, but like, yeah, and I, you said that, and I thought that was one of the smartest things I'd heard a tour coach or a, a coach yeah. say. It's important. Yeah. Yeah. It is important because it's like I see you go around with your guys, and I can see the bond between you and Lucas and how long you guys have been together, the trust that's there. Like, there's certain players, like, you just know it's like, you know what? It's not even going to work. Even the way they go about things, right? Or the way they see the game, it's not going to, it's going to be a clash, right? And so I think it's the start of my career. I remember the first time someone from the Corn Ferry reached out to me. Of course, I was excited. Okay, man, if I can help this guy, this could be, you know, this exciting, right? Then the first mm-hmm. tour guy. And I would say yes to any tour guy. <laughs> and then over the years, then you're like, oh, it always has to be a fit. And it's okay if you're not the fit for somebody. Like, you don't have to take it as an ego thing out on tour. How many times does a guy lead a coach and they actually try two or three, four coaches or, or get right. their opinion at least? Well, just because I didn't get chosen or I get chosen over another guy, that doesn't mean that I'm smarter than that guy or that I'm not as smart as that guy if they, I, they don't go with me. Like, there is a fit, and that's always helped me in teaching and, and not be overly competitive with other coaches because I'm like, I respect a lot what other coaches do, and I know they see the game or the swing different than I do, I'm sure, you know? Mm-hmm. We all have our differences, but it's like there's coaches helping so many different players. Like, there's the right coach for so many different people that I don't. we don't need to get our ego hurt. We don't need to be able to teach everybody. There's not even enough time for us to teach everybody. So I think that's important when you're looking at students, like, to think, okay, can I see myself with this person long term? Why is this a fit and why wouldn't it be a fit? And then it has a chance to succeed a lot more if you're trying to figure out whether it's just a fit. Right. No question about it. And I, I always, you know, I, I think we all have really good information. I don't know that anybody out there has got anything crazy better than anybody else, but I think it's so much about the personality fit and the bond that you make. I mean, I think that's so important at all levels, but at that level. You know, I really do. I think the ability to connect and communicate, you, you've talked a bunch about communication tonight. I think that's a big part of the deal. Yeah. No, it is for sure. I mean, I, I think that's when most all the issues, like all the times I've gotten in trouble with the student or haven't been able to help them as much as I want to at the time or getting where there's, you know, some hurt feelings. It's just communication. It's like, okay. Yeah. Like it's, you know, both being able to be free to say what you really think. So then you can make the progress you want where you don't run into like, you know, any personal problems too. But like, I just think that the more comfortable student is with you, like the, the kids, like I know you've helped a lot of players from when they were really young. Those are the coolest kids you end up teaching because mm-hmm. you knew them when they were 12 and 13. You've been through their bro breakup with the girlfriend, the fight with their dad or mom. You know what makes them click. And so you teach them so much more freely. You know everything about them. You teach them with, you know, you're not worried about what each other think. They tell you what they're thinking exactly. You tell them what you're thinking exactly. And then you get a lot of great stuff done. So you're right. I think that connection and that relationship between the player and the coach is like massive because the better that relationship is, the more honest both the player and the coach can be towards each other for sure i think that teaching tour players is wonderful and i'm very fortunate to have a few but i think teaching and i think that's one reason i have so much respect for you with your kids is to me the thing that i have the biggest impact on and the thing that's the coolest part of my job 
is the juniors that I've taught from yeah. a young age that have made it, yeah. college golfer have made it to the tour. Because I think it's different than picking up somebody that's 30 years oh, old totally and different. played the tour, you know? It's totally different. What what players were you with when they were young? Obviously, Andy just did it. He's just turning pro. Andy. And But what other players, you know? You know, I taught Bobby Wyatt from yeah. eighth grade all the way through the Walker Cup and to right before he yeah. got his tour card and then a little. And I've taught Robbie Shelton since he was in ninth grade. You know, and that's a, it, to me, that's watching them go through that is a cool deal. Yeah. And I'm still too young. Like, I started teaching about nine years ago all out. And now right. I'm finally getting to that age where those 12 and 13-year-olds, you're finally – because when you're coaching those kids, like, you know – Especially mm-hmm. where I started, I'm in Utah when I started teaching. Not a lot of kids come out of Utah that make the tour, but like it's cool now where you're starting to get a couple of kids that are getting that 21, yeah. 22 years old, and it's like if one of them would make it on the tour, like that connection, that bond's incredible. And then they, the next best thing to that is if they weren't on tour when you met them. The most satisfaction I've had is when. Two of the players I teach on tour, I taught them from the Corn Ferry. Scott Harrington, mm-hmm. um, we, we were, I was helping him for three years on the Corn Ferry tour. And then Tony, you know, Tony Kino reached out to me on the Corn Ferry tour. So we have a different bond. And I love working for the other guys that were already on tour and they come to help you. But, like, you're not really a true – you're not as big of the, the journey. And, and so you don't know them in the same way. Like, the bond you must have with those kids that you help get to the tour, like, that's – that's special, and I'm I'm excited for the first time that will happen with me. From yeah, I've had a couple of guys from the Corn Ferry get to the tour, but I've never had anybody that you know those first junior golfers I started working with. They're just starting to get to this age, and so I'm excited to see who is going to be the first person I taught since they were 12 or 13 making the tour because I know that's going to be a crazy special feeling for both of you know me and the player for sure. Probably going to be a summer haze. I'm just going to give you. (laughs) (laughs) You're probably going to be related to them. I'm just giving you an insight. Oh, man. But, uh, you know, a few years away, we're closing in on it for sure. You know, I never know when they're going to be ready, but I do know there is a possibility that, you know, sooner or later they're going to have a chance to be there. So, And as we kind of wrap this up, I want to talk a little bit about Tony because I think it's, we talked a little. So uh, along with, you know, I followed you on Instagram and, and uh, yeah. uh, I, every now and then I'll message you and say, I think it's cool his relationship. Yeah. If I'm big on relationships, I think it's cool his relationship, not just with you. You can tell the closeness. You mentioned me yeah. and Lucas, but like I watch you guys at Augusta yeah. and I watch you guys at tournaments. I love seeing how close you are. And I love yeah. seeing the relationship he has with your kids. I think, I mean, and and that's one of the cool things like, my guys are all great to all my juniors, and yeah. they go play golf with them when they're around. I think that's a cool thing you have going. Yeah, and I think that's the thing I'm most grateful for. I think me and Tony both have a great, you know, I appreciate him because I had worked with tour players before him, but I'd never worked with a tour player full time until mm-hmm. him. So he's the guy I owe so much of, you know, what people think about me. You know, I mean, it's still just an opinion what people think, but like literally, like I wouldn't be where I'm at without Tony. And I think because of how long it take, took him to get to the tour, you know, seven years and he right on the, you know, we started working together on corn Ferry. I know he appreciates me by the way he's treated me and taking care of me. And then also the way he's treated my kids. And like, I think that's the coolest thing for me is that it's come full circle for me. I didn't have the success I wanted as a, as a player, but I knew a lot of the players because I competed against them 
And then I've been out on tour for eight years, you know, since Tony and other guys. And the way people have treated my kids, like, has meant the world to me. Like, people are so good to my kids. And I always tell people, yeah, I taught them and I still teach them. But, like, without a lot of the other people, like, they wouldn't be who they are today. Like, Tony has played hundreds of rounds with Preston and Grace in camp. He's come and watched him at Corn Ferry Tour events. He's played, like, he's been a great role model. I mean, Tony, you can't ask for a better role model. He's a bad shot and he just gets over it. Like, that's, you're trying, I want to teach my kids that. But when they get to see someone they love and respect do it, they're like, oh, that's a perfect visual lesson. And then, I mean, at the U.S. Open, when Preston was there, the way the guys treated him and the other coaches treated him, you know, the way cool. you treat him, it's, yeah, it just, it warm, it's just like, I feel really grateful. So, yeah, the Tony thing, like, we helped, you know, we came up together, and that's why I think our bond's so tight. But then we became really close friends. We had a lot in common. But then, you know, he fell in love. You know, I love his kids. He loves my kids. And what he's done for my kids, like, I'll always I'll always hold Tony in, like, up on a pedestal pretty high, you know. Boyd, you're one of the best. I know you've had a crazy day. One, I appreciate I, all the time you've given me over the last couple of years out there talking, and, and I've enjoyed getting to know you and I've enjoyed watching you and, and uh, you know that I respect the hell out of what you do and I appreciate you taking the time to sit in with me. No, well, thanks for having me on. You know, I think the same about you and congrats on everything. Congrats on all the tour guys' success but Andy and all he's doing right now and um, yeah, we'll chat again sometime and uh, yeah, thanks for making it work too. I look forward to talking to you and uh, I'll see you out on the road soon, 2021, yep. huh? I'll see you on the West Coast, I'm sure, buddy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Tour Coach with Tony Ruggiero. If you enjoyed this, make sure to hit subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this podcast. You can stay up to date because we have weekly episodes coming your way with fascinating people in the world of golf instruction at the highest level. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned. If you want to learn more about Tony, head over to dosweepersgolf.com to get all the details on what he's up to. Maybe you want to see him, grab a lesson, or go to one of his camps, pick up his book, Lessons from the Legends. You can do that there. If you want to see Tony in action with some videos and other content, head over to golfsciencelab.com slash Tony to get more info there. This episode was powered by the Golf Science Lab and was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Published Productions. As we go into year two of the tour coach, it wouldn't be possible without the support of all our sponsors. And I've had some great ones. And one of the things that I'm most proud of in my career and in my business is the fact that all of my relationships here and all these sponsorships have been long time, long withstanding relationships, haven't jumped from sponsor to sponsor and manufacturer to manufacturer. And I've always prided ourselves in special relationships and when people work together, support each other, and we've all put out great products for the benefits of everybody else. So I want to give a special thanks to these folks that have been with me for such a long time. And that would be the folks at Shrixon, Cleveland Golf, and Zexio. Couldn't ask for a better manufacturer to be aligned with. And not only do they put out great product and great support, but they're first-class people and they believe in what we're doing here on the Tour Coach and with the Dew Sweepers and also Vineyard Vines. Ian, Shep, TJ, and all the folks at Vineyard Vines it's hard to keep me looking good, but they do a fantastic job. And they're like family. They support everything on the Dew Sweepers. And we're so proud to be affiliated with and support the folks at Vineyard Vines. So if you're out there, you're listening to the Tour Coach, please support our sponsors. 
Shrixon Cleveland Golf Zexio, as well as Vineyard Vines. And keep listening and keep enjoying hanging out with us here on The Tour Coach.